on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Canadian Open. As usual, I am here with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, what is up, my friend? Are you ready for your home event? I can't wait, Kenny. It's always exciting. Excited for this one. Excited for next one for the U.S. Open. But it's funny, the geography always does come up. I mentioned this on another show today I was recording, and it's funny. People say, you know, are you going to the event? I get it because it's the only event in Canada every year. So, yes, I'm excited about it. I'm not going to make it to this one this year. But it also is funny that it's like asking, like, last week, somebody in Texas, are they going to be at the memorial this week in Ohio because it's this. That's like the distance between the two. So, going to be a fun event either way. Always funny to talk about that. But before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by prizepicks.com. Head on over to prizepicks.com. Use promo code MMN. Get yourself a 100% deposit bonus up to your first $100. Props, picks, plays, all different ways. Lots of stuff going on this week over at prizepicks.com. Check it out. Promo code MMN. Kenny, crazy little event we had. I told you last week, I love the Memorial. One of my favorite events outside of the majors. And we got a good one down the stretch. Victor Hovland had been trending. The whole 16 fiasco at PGA Championship was one hole. One spot in the bunker, one shot, and then sort of led to a big mess. But he played really well else, other, otherwise and elsewhere leading up. And, of course, goes and gets a job done yesterday. Gets to shake Jack's hand. Poor Denny. But, man, what a good event this was, I thought, right down the stretch. What do you think of the Memorial? Yeah, pretty big event. Pretty big week in golf in general. I mean, with Rojang going out there, winning her first event as a pro. We, we, might, we might talk about that later. And yeah. then, of course, Victor sort of actually getting that, getting that, that 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 sort of like that big win that he hasn't had yet. We all knew we had he had it in him, uh, you know. And so it, it was nice. I hit the Hovland bet second outright in the last three weeks, going along with Kepka at the PGA Championship. So nice little run uh, going right now. I think the last time I hit two of three uh, winners, I ended up hitting seven of twelve total. Uh, that was uh, during the fall of 2019. Uh, and I think some of it might have been from uh, the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs earlier. So I'm hoping uh, that this is uh, some type of recreation uh, of of that nice little run that I had uh, back then uh, prior to COVID. Uh, the event itself, I mean, the way he won was really, really impressive. Uh, because, I mean, he was down. I think, he, he you know, he he... he he, he bogeyed the last two holes on, on the front nine uh, to get the four. He was, he was like three strokes back, um, you know, or something like it, 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 I, I wasn't able to watch all of it. I, I, I got back home. I went on a golf trip over uh, to Wisp Resort in the, the border of uh, Maryland and uh, Pennsylvania this past week. Beautiful course, Lodestone right on the mountains up there. But, you know, I was on my way back home. Um, uh, while this tournament was going on. And I, I made it back home for like the last like five or six holes of the leaders. And, um, you know, what we saw with with Hovland was that little duff. He had, he made those two birdies to get back into it on 10 and 11. Okay. And I think he was like a two back at that point in time uh, after bogeying, I think nine, and, uh, eight and nine. And then he hits that duff uh, on 12, that little chip. He'd been chipping, you know, average to slightly above average all week. And, you know, that's what we need from Victor if, if, if he's going to win uh, because his ball striking is so elite, um, not as elite as Scotty Scheffler, but still elite. Uh, and um, and to do what he did to come back from that and go two under with no more bogeys the rest of the way and 
birdying 17 and being two under on 16, 17, 18. 16, 17, and 18 were playing almost four strokes over par combined uh, for the week. Uh, tough, tough uh, stretch at the end. Uh, he made that birdie on 17. And Denny, you know, he did his thing on the front nine, got those three birdies, was coasting, and then hit the back nine. And it was, I mean, he, he was struggling a little bit. You could see it uh, from tee to green. But his putter saved him, making eight-foot par putts, 13-foot par putts, uh, just from all over the place. But you just sort of had the idea that this wasn't going to last. Uh, to, to, to do that for nine straight holes, missing fairways, missing greens, uh, chipping it average to below average, leaving himself more than 10 feet on par putts, and then draining all those putts, that's not going to last, and it didn't. Uh, on 18, he pulled that drive, almost went into the water, uh, you know, had to lay up, not a great wedge at all, uh, missed the putt, and still had about five feet left for for, for bogey. Uh, I thought, well, maybe I can get this ticket without even going to a playoff, uh, but that did not happen. He made, he made his bogey putt, and then, you know, the feeling you had in the playoff was that Hovland was going to win. I mean, I just, you just didn't, you know, he hit it straight down the pipe. And then of course, uh, Danny had to lay it up again. And, um, or maybe I'm trying to remember, maybe he did have to lay it up either way. He, he missed a, what a 12 footer, uh, for par that probably would have put a little bit more pressure, um, uh, on, um, on Hovland. I'm trying to remember this, uh, correctly. It might, it was a long weekend. A lot of brain cells were killed. Uh, this past weekend. So if I, if I'm not uh, repeating exactly what happened yesterday, please forgive me. But uh, yeah, uh, and and then the putt that Hovland had, uh, he was fist pumping it right when it got off the the blade. I thought it was going to miss right. Uh, it, it, sort of, it sort of lipped in yeah. uh, at the end. Got the W. We all knew it was coming. Good for Hovland. Uh, you know, I mean, I really like the 22 to one I got at the U.S. Open now and the 25 to one I got at the Open Championship. I don't think you're going to see those numbers uh, anymore. Big fan uh, of me getting those numbers uh, prior. I, I, you know, I bet that right at the PGA Championship. Uh, you know, I, I, you just see it coming uh, for him and uh, for him to do it at Jack's event, a big time event, huge stepping stone in his career. Uh, you could see basically blast off for Hovland. Now, I, I think, you know, at some point in time, a major's coming, more wins are coming, you know, could he, could he, could he get to a Rahm and Scheffler level where he's the number one player in the world at some point in time in his career? I don't think that's out of the, out of the question either. He's fifth right now. Uh, so yeah, great event. Uh, GPPs uh, saved me this week, you know, in DFS. Uh, I had like, I guess, Scheffler, um, Hovland, Rory. You know, Scheffler, Hovland, um, Fowler, and Siwoo were like four of my top five highest up. So really good, good return on investment um, in the uh, in GPPs. I, I had a lineup that was third uh, go in the five dollar going into Sunday. Um, that you know fell outside the top twenty five hundred. But I had another lineup uh, come in, finish seventy fifth. Uh, in the five dollars, not bad with seventy eight thousand entries. I'm in the what point zero zero one percentile. Uh, so it was nice. It was good getting it. It was weird. I switched it up this week where I made my lineups like Monday. I was like, I'm just gonna make it so I don't hear nothing. I I, I looked at the weather. If the weather was gonna change, I would have changed it, but I didn't see anything in the weather. Uh, so I I made all my lineups Monday night, like after the pod. 
not trying to get anyone else's info in my head and get too scatterbrained and pay it off. Uh, the, the big mistake was Tom Kim. Uh, he was the, my in my top five highest owned as well. Uh, with him missing the cut, you know, if he made the cut, it could have been a huge week. Uh, so, uh, granted, cash not great. Didn't uh, I think I, I think I went three or four uh, in cash. So it wasn't horrible, but, but the two guys that I had in um, that I added on top uh, that weren't in my cash game cornerstones missed the cut. Uh, another thing that pissed me off was, of course, Danny was my bet of the week last week. So that so I really was rooting against him, even though Danny is from the DC metropolitan area. He's from a Maryland suburb, uh, but I can hate him because he went to UVA and I'm a Hokie. So uh, there you go. Tampa, what'd you think about the event? Anybody else you want to talk about? You got to follow it up. Yeah. When you bet him, you got to go back to him, but yeah, it was, it was a good run for him. I thought, you know, a couple of things, one, the Victor stuff, man, just watching the guy sit there to get ready for the playoff, super nonchalant, just no care in the world. That mindset is exactly what you need and why, again, I, he'll think it'll be, more than live again, where you guys were already on him. A lot of people are already on him for the upcoming majors. U.S. Open, though, while he's playing this good, it's it's he does or he doesn't, but it's not affecting him. Like, if he makes a bad shot, even back at the PGA Championship, it didn't seem to matter. And when he realized he's going to the playoff, he said, all right, cool, let's go to work. He just pops back up with his caddy right back, and that's all you can do. But at the same time, it's just something about when you're watching that kind of the eye test that you put on it. Just he wasn't phased. He knew it, it almost looked like he just knew he was winning. And that was the free chance he got. You let me back in the door and it's going to happen this way. You never know if that's how it's going to play out, but certainly how it seemed good to see him get the job done there. The other thing though, Kenny was Sunday, like, man, there's no one that really choked it away. I wanted to bring this up with you because I know the conversation Rory's back up there again and all the other factors, but it was tight. We knew going into Sunday, it was anybody's game, but man, it felt like if nobody chokes it away, because you can't really call it that in that situation. Some say there's not even such a thing as a choker. It's just golf. It's tough to win. You can't really do it, but either way, a lot of people blew it on Sunday that had chances. Like Ricky, well, not just not just Sunday either. I mean, Hideki was at ten under at one point. On I just Saturday. care about Sunday on the Sunday yeah. bunched up leaderboard going in. Forget it; it all ties together. But yeah, Hideki and Scheffler would go in the class you're talking about. Scheffler all weekend. Talk about that in a second. But Hideki and Scheffler, sure, from the whole thing. But on Sunday, Speed finished four under, three off the lead in the play. Like he played like horrible. I don't even know what he did on Sunday. And he's still up the board. Siwoo was nowhere to be found until he was and crept his way back up to a nice little fourth place finish. Scheffler will go, like I said, we can talk in a second about him and Rory specifically. Rory, definitely, you know, people say he blew it, you know, or he choked. He blew it away. I mean, it was another good chance for a guy like Rory, but man, no wedges to be found. I'm not sure what was up with that. It was horrendous on the back nine, especially. And then other guys up there, just like, you know, randomly, uh, Fitzpatrick, Scott, Shank, Putnam, all those guys just sort of showing up, whatever. Uh, Wyndham Clark, another guy was in the mix and all of a sudden fell down the board. Hatton, some of these guys, Henley, Rom, no putter on Saturday, no nothing on Sunday, just, you know, really lackluster. But I guess Scheffler and Rory, to do a quick takeaway, because Rory, we're going to talk about again for this week. Scheffler, we won't see again until the major next week. I already said it, man. Like, you can just see the situation. Scheffler was the, the disparity in this ball striking versus the putter. I can almost feel it happening already. How can you not play Scheffler at the U.S. Open? Perfect setup, blah, blah, blah. He's going to, like, find the putter, and then the driver or something else is going to go away on him randomly, and it's just going to be the whole world's on this guy. But we'll see if that happens. But give me your takeaways on those two, because that's the only other two really care to talk about. Scheffler with that ball striking versus the putter, and Rory lost wedges, if you will, down the stretch. And what this week, when we're going to talk about it, segue in, sounds like a wedge fest. Drive it out there, keep it clean. Even if it's not in the rough, you're still coming in from that type of distance. So talk to me about those two before we get into this week. I mean, Scheffler's performance was historic. Uh, I think the second most strokes gained tee to green uh, in in recorded history. 
uh, this past week. I think he gained almost 21 strokes. <laughs> Which is that's that's fucking insane. That's that's insanity. Like, uh, and then to lose nine strokes putting. I mean, he missed like a like a thir- like a 36 inch putt, like a like a no like a 28 inch putt uh, on the back nine on on Sunday. If he makes that putt, he's in a playoff. Like, yeah, there's a lot more than that too. That's just like the most obvious one for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, that's the most obvious one. But I mean, there's plenty more that he missed inside five feet. But that one was the one on the back nine where it was like literally 26 inches, 28 inches, and he missed it. You know, uh, I, here's the thing: like, most of the time when someone's going through something like this, where they're putting, is being this bad, where it's such a drastic change. I mean, just in the last three months or something like that, he's gone from 99th in strokes game putting for the season to like 145th yeah. or somewhere around there uh, in like three months, four months. That's it. That's hard to do. Like to drop that many spots. Uh, like, and the thing is like, the thing is golf is such a mental game that if like one part of your game is struggling that bad it usually creeps into other parts of your game um yeah we saw it with spieth when he lost his putter for those years the rest of his game sort of fell apart as well um you know a little bit maybe and so for him to do what he does and compartmentalize like his shot making ability with his putting is isn't a really an impressive feat uh to 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 do as well as he's doing i mean it's insane uh I, i really the strokes, the tee to green that he's been having in the last three or four months to only have two victories this year seems like he's fucking up. Big time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, it the, seems this, like he's fucking week, up. This like week, he, he sh- yeah, he should have had like seven victories. Like it's it, it's it's insane how close he is to becoming like the most dominating player like in the game. Like it, it's almost there. Like if he can putt like he did like last spring uh, and early in the summer where he was making every par save from five to 15 feet that you can imagine. If he had a tough out, left it 12 feet for par in an important situation, you knew Scotty was going to make this. And that was, you know, a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago. Uh, and now to see where he's at, it's, it's, it's mental, but it's really impressive that he's still able to finish where he's finishing um, and to be as good tee to green when everyone and their mother knows how much he is struggling with the putter. And for that not to creep in to his mind on all the other shots is super impressive. You would expect more from him. It could happen. You know, at any time, I think he could go off and win three in a row. Would you be shocked with that? Well, no, he no. should have already. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you give this one for sure. The Charles Schwab, for sure. He just did it there. And what was that? One stroke or something off of that one. And it mm-hmm. all started, if you remember, it started at the match play. He had the yeah, we, against quarter. Cam Young, right? No, Sam Burns goes oh, off Sam to Burns. the side and has his head in his hands. He can't, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's his, about yes. to lose this. And Scotty misses. Sam Burns is like, oh shit, he gets it back. I mean, it's match play, but that's the one you have to make. There is no gimme. You don't lose for sure. He has to go put that in. He doesn't. And then Sam Burns not only goes on to win that match, but then goes on to the finals to win it all. And since then, that, I mean, that's almost, that's, that one's the furthest from saying it's a win. He would have probably been, he would he should have been in the finals, you would think. And then whatever happens in the finals, but the Charles Schwab and now this, 
two for sure right here. But remind me next week, uh, you know, to everything I said earlier is kind of the joke narrative. The flip case is I think we should bet Scotty first round leader. And I think we should bet Scotty wire to wire. And if what if it does just click? Because really, I don't think he should change shit. You said it best. When you start going, I'm not an expert, but I'm saying you, we've seen it long enough. We've watched the game, been involved with it plenty. When guys start switching shit up, it affects other parts. He's doing nothing wrong. Putting can get in your head for sure. It can be a problem. But if he just focuses on playing the game, he's such an even keel guy. You could see him come out and just do something crazy at the U.S. Open and just boat race it because he does have the putter on. Like Think about Lowry last Thursday at this event, the Memorial just passed. He made what? Every birdie. It felt like he was five, six under just like that. Imagine Scotty does that at the U.S. Open where it's really tough. Does that, gets out ahead and just doesn't look back and starts clicking with the putter and just keeps everything else the same. Man, that would be a serious win for him. And all the comparisons to the ball striking of Tiger Woods. What about when Tiger used to win these majors by X amount of strokes and people are just like, it's nuts. This guy's so good. It feels like that's the, the flip side of it all. So I think that's where... You know, next week, I'll look at that because the wire to wire, the first round leader, those type of bets are, are first round leader and winner. They all pay much better than what Scotty will pay to win. But it's definitely a, a scenario on the flip side of what I said, where he just doesn't mess with anything and comes out and just says, see you later to the crowd and just crushes. Yeah, I mean, like if he had Denny's putting week with the tee to green that he had, he would have won by like 30 strokes. It was by <laughs> like it would have been fucking incredible. He would have won by like 30 strokes. I mean, Jesus, like it's crazy. Now, when it comes to Rory and the wedge play, I mean, you've seen this from him. Like, you know, there's times where his wedges just go off. Like, they're, they're just not on. And then he usually finds it. Like, it's not like it's his wedges suck all the time. You know what I'm saying? I, I think the biggest problem Rory has with his wedge game is if there's any little bit of wind at all. Because he hits it so high, like higher than any other golfer on tour. Uh, so, but he probably hits a double height than some golfers hit their wedges that are on the tour. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like when you see the shot tracker, you see this go straight up, and then like you don't see anything coming down for like four seconds, and then finally you see it coming down because it can't go that high. Uh, the, the shot chaser. Uh, so I think you know a lot of that has to do with if there's windy conditions. And he doesn't really do any like change trajectories of his shots. Like, like a lot of the times when he hits, it's just full bore just every time. And, and he still does that with his wedges. You don't see like, like the low trajectory, you know, type wedge play that like some guys have in their arsenal. Uh, you, you don't see it that often with him. I think he needs to like start incorporating that type of shot uh, into his game because you lose so much control when there's any little bit of wind. And, you know, it was like 15, 20 mile per hour winds on Sunday. Yeah, it was windy. Uh, sure. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I think I think that's a big problem when it comes to Rory. Uh, if it's a wedge fest and it's supposed to be windy, uh, I think you worry. Now, this week, not that much wind until Sunday. You know, uh, I expect him. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see uh, how that goes. Um, you know, other the other big story, of course, you want to go on about Rory? I was just, no, because we spent too much time on Scotty, but Rory, I think we're kind of combining the opens though. And I don't think people care because they can always skip ahead. But I do think it's funny that, like you said, the, the next time we'll see Scotty is that and we got to talk about that. But with Rory, that's funny that you said it's on Sunday is when the wind pops up. So Rory's going to be there until Sunday. And then we got to fade his ass and showdown because it is that interesting. Could, it definitely was something. Be. And, and yeah. by the way, I haven't seen Rory that pissed off in a long time, like show that much emotion 
on the course drop. He was just fired up with this stuff. He was so frustrated and pissed off with it. He's, he's Roy McIlroy. He's always the guy that can bounce back and get into it. We'll talk about it when we get into the tiers, but this week he's going to be popular for good reason. Two time, well, back to back right now, Canadian open champions, even though 20 and 21, they didn't play because of COVID and all that, but still different courses, et cetera. This one's very similar to last year's though, where he did just fine, but yeah, it's one of those things, Kenny uh, Rose. Yeah. Talk about it, man. I thought that was, that's another thing to talk about for sure. Oh no, I was going to talk about more cow. Okay. Uh, that, that withdrawal was painful. Uh, you know, he was two off the lead going he's into Sunday. Serious, so. I mean, it's something he's injured. He was, he was down two strokes. Oh, he's definitely injured. Yeah, yeah. that's why I'm worried. You know, I hopefully he's okay going in uh, to the Open Champion, uh, to the U.S. Open, because, I mean, that's a pretty big story, falling out and withdrawing when you're two off the lead going into Sunday in a designated event. I mean, something must be fucked up. Yeah, I heard he had a workout. Said it today to me, and I thought he was right. As I, I was like, you, I was thinking like you and like many others probably are, but back spasms, I'm sure you've had them. I've had them. Like you can get, they can go away in three or four days. He gets the best treatment in the world. It's just, what if it happens again at the major? That's going to be the scary part. But I think taking the risk on him, if you think he's playing well, good well, otherwise and want to play him, it's fine. When I had back spasms, I mean, I had them, you know, when I played football uh, in high school, what would happen was it would happen and then I would get treatment and I'll be better and I'd play you know, a couple more weeks, and then all of a sudden it would just act up again. You just yeah. don't know when the fuck it's going to happen. You don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. So, so that's just, I mean, I would, I would be fine like two, three days later, uh, and then, you know, I'd play a couple more games, and then all of a sudden it just act up again. Uh, so uh, you never really know with that. It, it's a little worrisome because he's so young. Uh, these young golfers having back problems uh, could be an issue uh, with Al Torres, uh, you know, Morikawa. I don't know why or how you know, what's the reasoning behind them? Maybe they're doing too much work in the gym. Uh, maybe they're trying to swing too hard for their body type. I don't know. I don't know, but it, it, it's definitely worrisome when guys in, in their mid to early twenties are having back issues uh, playing golf, because the thing about it is, so I have a bad sciatic nerve, uh, you know, and sometimes my back will give out. And I've talked to my doctor about this, like how to fix it. And, you know, lately it's been fine, but he said the only way to truly fix it would be surgery and that wouldn't even truly fix it. Uh, you know, there's like the cure for back injuries are like far and few, few between. It's not ever a cure. It's like just to make it more palatable to your health and your pain threshold it is all that happens when you have back surgery. It never really heals. Uh, so uh, so this is worrisome. It's It's worrisome for these guys. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Their careers are young. Maybe they can bounce back and figure out how to take care, better care of their bodies. But, uh, you know, it's a worrisome thing where you see these younger golfers uh, having these back problems. Uh, yeah, Rose Jang, unbelievable. We're going to be talking about her for a long years time. to come. Yeah. So I, I don't think we have to waste too much time because, I mean, if you look at her track record, she won like 13 events in over, over the last like 17 or something like that. Like she broke all of Tiger's records, who was like actually broken by Patrick Rogers, uh, who broke all of Tiger's records. She broke all of Patrick Rogers records uh, at Stanford uh, for golf. So, uh, you know, first win ever. We're going to go see here. We got a guy coming in this week who's in a similar boat. I don't think he's as talented as Rose is, but uh, what Ludwig, uh, Art, Ludwig what's it, you... the books, yeah. though, the books yeah. got worried off. That's what the joke I threw it on Twitter. And people like, they're not the same person. I'm like, get the joke. Like the point yeah. is she won. And I, I put hashtag blame Rose. She goes and wins on her pro debut. 
So all of us waiting on like, I guess, I, I think one of the sites out there had the number up as high as 170, 150 in that range. I got 120 before it crashed at another book, but you know, other For... books, it came out at 55 and 45 and 60 and stuff. And that to me was just them saying, People are going to hit this because they just saw what Rose did. People wanted to bet him anyway. We've been waiting for him. Two-time Ben Hogan award winner. People know who this guy is. Not super sneaky. It is, I guess, to the casual or the general public. But for most of us in the space, we we know what this guy is. And we're waiting on the numbers to drop. I was up at 7 o'clock this morning just to see what the numbers are as normal. Check his first because I am kind of intrigued by it. And I was like, what the hell? This is the most disgusting number of all time. 50. At my normal I, got, I got 75. I took and then people are texting me, you can get 120 over here. And apparently that already dropped from 150 or 170. So I took the 120 with a friend and, and we got it. But I don't even think he's winning. I just think that was kind of the intrigue was behind it was let's hop on this guy. He's obviously very talented. We'll talk about him when we get there. But yeah, it's funny. She wins. It triggers that. She did not even make a birdie, I think, for forever and still gets the job done. Like she is just very, very good. Yeah, yeah, she's she's talented. She's gonna be a name that you hear. It's funny, like she was so. I mean, she was so pissed off yesterday because she. I don't know why the LPGA had like the amateurs play at the same time. That just seemed weird. And for like you know, you get amateurs out there, you're gonna play six hour rounds, and she's out there just like looking fucking heated. (laughs) Yeah, like like the whole the whole round, you know. Hey, but you got it done. Uh, worked in the playoff that 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 little five which she hit or a seven which she hit on the approach on the on that playoff hole was fucking sick. Like with all the pressure that she had, that was fucking sick. Uh, so good for her. All right, so let's move on to uh, our listener league. Um, you want to talk about the listener league for this week, Tambo? Yeah, it's gonna be twelve fifty again. This <laughs> is the, the final spot. If we get it filled, we get two thousand for the U.S. Open. So same as always, it's a this week. I believe it's a thousand up top. 100 bucks to 10th, 10 bucks to last place, around 15% get paid. It's really just the way I like it. I wish a lot more tournaments were like this, to be honest. It's a, almost the perfect setup. It's solid, $5 three max as always. And then, yeah, if we fill this week up, go out on my Twitter, on the FG Degenerates Twitter, wherever, get in it, share it around, get your three entries in. It'll be up to 2,000 entries for next week for the U.S. Open. Probably will drop on Sunday if you want to just check it out on Twitter. So we'll we'll notify everybody once it comes out. Make sure you guys get that filled. Get that shit done early so we can get to that 2,000 mark on Sunday or for next week. All right, so uh, the winner this week was Bengals9285. Uh, looks like a, I don't know which the players are. It's, it's either Carson uh, Palmer and Ocho Cinco or somebody else. I don't know. But he is a Bengals fan. Uh, he won the league with 498.5 points. He had Victor Hovland, um, who was 13% owned. Hideki Matsuyama, who got up to 10, minus 10 on Saturday. Finished plus one, or I think, or something like that. Even, even. So he lost 10 strokes in like the last 24 holes of the event. Um, but he was about 19% owned, finished in 16th. Wyndham Clark, uh, 7% owned, uh, finished 12th. Siwoo Kim. Nice, um, 22% on solid work there, D-Gen Nation. Uh, he finished fourth, of course. Uh, Danny McCarthy, who finished second, 9% owned. And Benny Ann, 13% owned. He finished in 24th. What did you think of the lineup? And speaking of Benny Ann, withdraw out of this event. He withdrew early at the U.S. Open qualifier. People thought it was early flight to Canada. It was not. He was uh, He was apparently stretching and 
did something to himself. And so he had the WD from this event. So we'll, we'll keep that in mind as we're going down. Cause he was priced in at 8,800. So I had my whole cash lineup. I yeah, had to well, restart yeah. everything. <laughs> uh, by the way, too, Bengals, he, he came first and second. He had Ricky Fowler and Suh with Clark and Ann swapped. So he kept the same four guys in second place. But overall, the lineup looked solid. That was the thing. Funny enough, Kenny, we talked a couple times about it last week on the show about the previous year when Billy Ho had won. It was five 8K guys and a, and a higher-end 7K guy that were in the winning lineup on DraftKings. Not, I don't know the optimal, but that was the winning lineup at least. This time yesterday, it was Hovland, four 8K guys, and a 7K guy. So again, at the Memorial, it ends up being that. Even with Scheffler all the way at the top, that was the lineup that ended up winning. Again, it's all the setup of your roster construction. And I didn't see the final optimal yet, but the point being, that was available there with some of these guys. And he got close to it. He got three of those 8K guys, Denny and Benny, to round it out. Maybe because they rhymed, I don't know. But it's a perfect setup there. As far as the lineup goes, I thought it was good. Two guys around 20 two guys at the 10 to 12 and 12.3 for both of them. And then two guys under 10%. It looks like a very good setup here. Great lineup overall. Got Bengals 9285 in the three-man for this week. We'll get him in there. And then he also already hopped in the Tournament of Champions with us. I saw him join overnight. So shout out to him. Congrats on the nice lineups. First and second for, what was it? $1,400. So nice, nice week for him. Yeah. So speaking of Billy Ho, that was another story. Uh, this week after his what 84 or 82 uh, on Thursday going well kudos to him for doing the press conference after playing like garbage golf uh, and man he was just so emotional he was just so down like the game is not there uh, and that was coming from like a nine-time winner or uh, you know a guy who's you know won nine times who has a FedEx Cup championship uh, who has played in President's Cups who has uh, you know, led halfway through U.S. Open, you know, has, has been a top 15, top 25 player in the world for a while. Um, and, and then to to see, like, the mental anguish that he was going through because of his poor play just shows how golf is such a fickle game where you could just be on top of the world and be the best player in the world one second, and then everything just falls apart. Um, I mean, you're seeing it with Scotty and his putter. Uh, it's amazing what these guys have to go through on a day in and day out basis and, 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 and to try and keep their sanity. Uh, it's a, it's a tough game. And, uh, that was a pretty cool moment for not cool, but pretty interesting moment seeing Billy do that. And I, you know, I know he's not the biggest fan favorite, but I'm rooting for him. He never and got anyone... the sympathy in the past. Yeah. To your point, he was never yeah. a fan favorite. So it looked, it was cool that the people came out for him. The, the crazy part about golf though, is that you always have to get reminded. You talked about all his accolades. I mean, the reason he was in the public spotlight was because he was literally the defending champion. Just a year ago, you're shipping this tournament and crushing and shaking Jack's hand and you're the man. And then since then we had earlier stuff this season where he said he was working on stuff. He was going to, he didn't know. He's like, I'm going to remember. He was like, I'm going to WD next week. I'm going to quit this one too and not even play next week. And then he played it anyway. And then we recently had the caddy change going back to his caddy that was on the bag during the FedEx cup run. He's clearly going through it. And then to see the emotions spill out of him, like you said there, that was definitely something but it's the game man it's what you gotta it's what you gotta do it's a tough one we watch it and see it every week these guys grind it's it's always tough and that's why even like denny the 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 lip, the lip quiver at the end it's i'll be i'll be back like not making fun of him it's it's that tough man it's so hard and he's right there he's playing incredible he needs one good shot off the tee on 18 and he's probably okay because how good he is with the putter just get it up there get it tight make the putt and you win 
no, it ain't that easy, man. It's it's always the pressure till the very end. He still walks away with two million, but it's a one point four million dollar mistake, and vice versa. Flip for Hovland. Like I said, there's something about the maybe it's the experience of winning, even though they weren't big name events and stuff. We've seen it with guys where they come out of their their shell a little bit, but Victor was not phased at all. He literally hopped up off the thing. He wasn't even warming up. He just, I'll see what happens. Watch it. All right, let's go to work. I, you I was screaming at the TV. Get to the fucking range, Victor. What the fuck are you get doing? The kids on the range, like uh, yeah. like Grillo from the week before. You got to bring yeah. the kids. Out. That'll guarantee you get the bounces and everything. But yeah. no, it was a it was an interesting week overall, man. A solid, fun one. This stretch is so good. Canadian Open, we're about to hop into. You can hit the course preview, but after that, the U.S. Open, and then don't forget the Travelers designated event, elevated field. Everything's there again. So it's we're we're getting a nice little run here leading up to the back half of the season. We got some more great events after that. So I'm excited, man. It's always fun. All right. It sounds good. Let's get to this week. The PGA Tour heads north of the border for the RBC Canadian Champ- Canadian Open. Uh, this event has been around forever, like 100 plus years. Uh, and they have used number uh, no, a number of courses over the years. Uh, this year, we're going to get the maiden uh, voyage at Oakdale Country Club. Now, one thing we've routinely seen at this event, no matter uh, the location, is a lot of scoring. Uh, Birdie Fest have been the norm at the Canadian Open, and I don't really expect that to change this week. Uh, in high-scoring events like this, I think it brings more golfers into play as potential winners and high-end finishers. Um, another thing to factor is that this was the week before the U.S. Open, so some golfers' motivation might wane a little bit, especially if they get off to a slow start. Now, there really is no way to gauge how motivated uh, U.S. Open qualified golfers will be. So instead of looking for little hints and details for the guys up top who are all qualified, maybe you know when you come to strategy for this week, I think you play whoever you like up top. But you know when it comes to the the the, the lower price golfers, maybe you have a little bit a higher ownership on guys that are like hungry for a win that you really really like in that seven k range, something like that, and maybe overexpose yourself there. Um, you know, my initial betting card has a ton of long shots, and I think going heavy on a few of your favorites in lower price ranges might be a good way to go uh, this week. Uh, weather, of course, could wreak havoc on the supposed easiness of the course, but as of now, it looks like it's going to be pretty pleasant. Uh, light winds with light winds until Sunday, until Sunday, where we might see some rain and higher winds. Uh, with the forecast, with this forecast and the course's only other events really being the length of the rough, you know, I expect the winning score to be twenty under par, maybe even more. Uh, now, Oakdale Country Club, seven thousand two hundred fifty yard to 7,450-yard par 72. They're going to be able to move those tee boxes around. I think uh, on the card, it's 7,250, but I think it could play a couple of hundred yards longer because, you know, this is like, uh, this is three courses, uh, three nines that they combine. So they're, they should be able to maneuver stuff with tee boxes uh, to, to give it a little bit more length if they want to do that. Um, now, the, 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 the thing is, the way the 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 par the holes are set up are a little bit different than normal tournaments. Uh, it's twelve par fours, three par threes, and three par fives. Um, now, two of the par fives should be reachable by almost all the golfers in the field, especially the par five eighteenths, which is listed under five hundred yards but plays uphill. Uh, again, we'll see where they put that tee box. Uh, the five hundred ninety yard par five eighths hole might be a bit tougher to reach. 
for some of the shorter hitters, but I would expect well more than half the field to go for that in two as well. The par threes don't too, look too daunting uh, with two right around 200, right around the 200 yard mark and another that's like 180, but severely downhill. Like they might be playing a wedge uh, onto that par three. Uh, now the par fours have a fairly wide variance in distance. Five of the par fours play between 350 and 400 yards. Three are between 400 and 450, and four are between 450 and 500. So looking at all these distances, I would key on like wedge game, like 75 to 125, and long iron play, 175 and above. Um, now, off the tee golfers will see average-sized tree-line fairways uh, with a few fairway bunkers on water and play on about two or three holes. Uh, with so many shorter holes, I expect driver to be left in the bag uh, on almost all the par fours under 450 yards. Uh, this leaves golfers about four to six driver holes a day. Now, if golfers miss the fairway, they're going to have to deal with some very tall rough. Now, early reports have the rough around four to five inches tall. Uh, now, the Memorial last week had five to six inch rough uh, all week, but that was cut down uh, to just a bit above four inches by the time the event started. Uh, now, if they leave the rough at this height this week, I would expect less to drive around even more holes than I outlined earlier. Uh, if they cut it and it's manageable, I expect we'll see the high end uh, of the driver number that I talked about earlier, maybe even a couple of more, maybe like seven holes, eight holes. Uh, just depends how aggressive these golfers want to be off the tee. Uh, now, even with all this off the tee talk, I do expect this to be a second shot course and maybe a putting contest. Uh, approach shots will be uh, will be will need will need to be hit into average size Bermuda. Uh, I'm sorry, bent grass. POA blended greens that are normally elevated and surrounded by thick, tall rough with very few runoff areas. Uh, there are many elevation changes and many approach shots will be uphill, making judging distance a bit more difficult, uh, especially from the rough. Uh, the course isn't bunker heavy, but there are a few around the greens. Um, I haven't heard any mention of the stimp or firmness of the greens so far yet, but it hasn't rained in over two weeks and there isn't any in the forecast until Sunday. So I, I would expect the greens to be firm, uh, not crazy, uh, as they'll probably water the greens prior to each round with a stint meter rating of around, I don't know, somewhere between 11 and 12 and a half. It just depends on how they want to do it. Um, I think what you need to look for this week is good wedge play, good long iron play, strong birdie or better percentage, par four scoring, and good bent putting. Tambo, what are you looking for golf, looking for in golfers this week? All the same stuff, but you know, you said, but I do want to talk about one key piece just up front because you mentioned I actually was, you know, doing the show this week a little bit early with Mayo. He's going away this week for a couple of days. And so he was already talking to Feinberg. Everybody knows Jeff Feinberg. He's a member there. He's out at the course and all that. And he said the rough was still up. Now he's doing the preferred lines podcast tonight with Joe, our guy at tour picks, yeah. Joe. I. So he's going to bring some more insight to the table for the community. We'll all get in on that. Listen to that show. But I do think, It'll be interesting to hear because the reason I say it, Kenny, there was mention of that rough staying up somewhat, probably not as high as what you're seeing right now. Like literally two days ago, it looked thickest thing you'll ever see. But mm -hmm. he talked a little bit about maybe some bomb and gouge approach because of that effect. Like people will just go out there and do it. And that's the case changes it up probably a little bit from where people were going. So I don't hate, even if you want to build in sets or do something like that, because we don't know. It's the first time hitting a course, you have 150 lineups and you want to do 50 like that and a hundred your standard or something. I, I wouldn't fault you for it to cover a couple angles. I think that's a good way to look at it, but yeah, the rough looks thick. It does look like it could easily turn into a putting contest. The wedge game looks like it's going to be needed. No matter what you talked about it with Rory, the weather looks good. Doesn't look like much wind at all. Really. We'll see how it actually shapes up Wednesday evening. If there is a potential edge wave, 
but I don't see anything there or a wave edge, sorry, but I, I don't see anything there right now that I'm looking at that's crazy or stands out. And then, like you said, just from comparing it to some of the courses, uh, I heard a few comparisons already. Some to, I believe, Wells Fargo talked about guys that had done well at Quail. I think it was Stephen Rawlings, probably in the tidbits this week on my Twitter. He was talking about the guys that have done well at Quail Hollow that did well last year and this year, how last year's could compare more to this year, same designer in some way, shape, or form. So little things like that you can look at. But again, the sample sizes are always so limited. So the bigger thing, Kenny, my question is going to be, and we're going to segue right into it with this top range, is the last year, all the cream rise to the top. This year, there's 10 of the world's top 30. It's definitely a weaker field, but there's still something to be said for the guys there. Another point that was brought up is that, you know, Scheffler, JT, Finau is not the same last year as this year, Burns, Hatton, Fitzpatrick. Take that for what it's worth. You can also say maybe they weren't playing as good last year, like Scheffler wasn't the same as what he was at the early part of the season or as what he is right now. And again, he's not here, but just to bring it up, things like that. So what's your thoughts on some of those things before we hop into these tiers? Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, I think strategy-wise for like um, for, for cash games, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't the biggest fan of the 6K range. Uh, so, I, you know, I was going to go like 2 9K, 1AK, and my AK was going to be Benny on, who I felt really confident about uh, going into the week. Now, with Benny out, um, there's really no one else in the AK range that I really want. So I had to make a decision. I was either going to go three up top and try and punt like I have been doing in the past or try and do like an uber balanced. And just thinking about it and how much these top 10 golfers, uh, you know, in price how good they are you know compared how much better they are compared to the rest of the field i decided to go with three guys up top and one punt um so that you know that's basically how i'm going to go about um this in cash because you you know when you have fields like this that are top heavy and then once you get to like the ak range everything falls off a cliff you see a lot lower six or six percentage um you know it's just hard to pick those guys that are you know 7k that are normally 6k uh the guys that are 8k that are normally 7k it's tough to be able to get 66 through in those type of situations uh so i'm going for a little bit more upside uh when it comes down to it and you know i've been varying my cash game technique on a week-to-week basis now i used to be just sort of one level one mind one way to do it and i think that's it worked for a long time and that's why, uh, you know, it took me so long to, to try and make adjustments when it comes to a week-to-week basis. Because from like 2016 to 2020, I was basically the cash game god. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just working all the time, and everything I did was just correct. And you know, I just had one mind frame of the way that I was going to go about building my cash lineups, and it worked great for five years. Uh, I don't know what changed. Uh, it could be from the top 65 and ties or the fact that I got a new job and, you know, I, I, for, for, for like a year and a half, I couldn't really focus as much as I wanted to uh, on golf. Now my job is, you know, eight and nine to five. Uh, I don't bring the work home. Like I was when I was a superintendent where I'm stressing about tomorrow's what we got to do tomorrow. Uh, so you're being the director of estimating for the company that I'm with m- has made it a little bit more easier to, 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 to refocus on what I need to do. Um, but 
I think that's what I'm going to do for this week. So I'm going to change the way I, I I wanted to go balance, but I had to switch it, and I, I don't feel comfortable. I'm going top heavy with a punt for my cash game cornerstones and a couple of guys in that mid to lower seven k range that I really really do like. Any any strategy for GPPs on your side, Tambo? I think one of the things you said that's key, and then we can get into these tiers pretty quick, is just the six k range sucks. So you're gonna you know take your stands there, but the bust rate and the six like six six should be really low this week because the bust rate is very high. We looked at it today, Mayo and I were going through it. Whether you start with Rory and land in that low seven, low seven K to seventy five hundred range, or you do three nine K guys or two nine K guys and an eight K, you still land in the same spot. So no one knows which of those guys is gonna blow up, but it's very likely some will. And when they do, that hurts everything. So there's ways you can look around it, but also gotta keep an eye, Kenny. While we're live here, you talked about Benny Ann and the WD, but already two WDs since starting the show, Sam Ryder who was dialed in on his approaches last week and then did not come through anywhere else. And a really a guy I like this week quite a bit, actually, Sam Stevens at 7,500, just WD as well. So uh, a lot of guys are coming through. I didn't see yet because trying to balance here if it was from already qualifying for the U.S. Open today or something like that. But there's uh, definitely going to be some more WDs come through, I would expect. So keep your eye on that. Have it covered for you guys in our Discord at Ship It Nation. I'm sure you'll have it over at Gump's Corner all over it. So keep an eye on the WDs as the week progresses. Sounds good. Let's get to these tiers. Let's go ahead and start. I want to do a little different. Let's start with Fitzpatrick all the way to Rory because those seem like the big four. Uh, that that like you know once you get p- past those four, there's a little bit of a talent drop off. Uh, so who are you going with? Uh, from those four, it's been tough for me. I've been having a hard time. Yeah, I think I'm just playing all of them. Like again, it'll be how I vary it out with the ownership. I will say this: it reminds me of last year. There's an argument to be made against it that the cream won't rise to the top or whatever reason. And there's guys in there, but what I mean by all of them, is not just to take, not take a stand. It's, I don't think you have to, these are to me, the four guys that rate out incredibly well versus until you get around down to probably somewhere around like that cam young range. I think it's going to be very popular this week to have one of Connors Rose Fleetwood, some of those guys in that range. So for me, I'd rather take my stands up top than the, the guys in this next range in the nine K and just be low or off those guys and hop down. Like I like Rory. I like Hatton Fitzpatrick. Rory's the hardest one, to be honest. Burns is a perfect tournament play. So really it's just how much Rory do you get? The other guys, it's easy to get around it. Burns looks like he's going to be 12 to 15% range. Um, Fitzpatrick looks like he's going to be 17 to 20. Like you, you can get those guys. It's Hatton who's going to be owned and Rory. The question is, is Rory kept in check enough? where, you know, in certain models or in certain stuff people are looking at, they want to be off or if that Sunday scares them away or the week before a major, whatever it might be, enough to keep it where he's not 40 plus and he comes in at 28 to 35, then he's probably fine. It's when he, if he got to the 40 plus range, maybe in your single entries, higher stakes stuff, if you wanted to move off him because you expect him to get even higher own, that's where I'd feel more comfortable with it. But yeah, probably a majority of these guys, Fitzpatrick, seems to stand out from the starting point. Like if you could even start a lineup with Fitzpatrick and just fade the top three, I like that. But it's more so just saying, I'm going to mix those guys, skip some of this 9K range and at least some of my lineups and hop down because that's how you can get the unique builds. Did it today with Mayo where you could run Rory Burns builds that don't touch the 7K to $7,500 range because you use like a Kramer Hickok or someone at the bottom and pump yourself back up into that upper 7K range. That That's a unique build while still having two of these guys up at the top. So it definitely could. So, so if you had to rank those four, how would you rank them? Right now, Fitzpatrick, Hatton, uh, probably Burns, and then Rory. Just because Rory is the one that's the wild card to me, he probably looks the best on paper. 
but ownership plays a big factor here. And again, just some unknowns that go with it. But uh, I would definitely go with Fitzpatrick number one as of right now. Wow, I like I like Fitzy uh, this week. I, I like Fitzy and Burns. I like Burns uh, because it's an easier course. He tends for me. It seems like he usually tends to play well on easier courses. Actually, if you look on Fantasy National um, right now, he is third in strokes gain total, uh, fourth in strokes gain tee to green uh, in this field uh, when it, when you plug in the uh, the easy course filter. Uh, so, so I'm a fan. Six and sixteenth in his last two starts. Um, he's been looking good. I'm hoping for twelve to fifteen percent. That would be great. Uh, you know, and, and then maybe I go forty percent uh, with Burns this week. Uh, and then I think I'm going to play Fitzpatrick as well. I think you're going to get lower ownership under like maybe fifteen percent uh, for Fitzy. Uh, he played really well last week. His iron game has slowly been improving ever since he's gotten back from his injury. And I, like I said, I do think this is a second shot course. And if you look, he's gained strokes with his approaches in four straight events. Uh, so I do like those two. If I had to rank uh, these guys, I'd probably go Burns, Fitz, Patton, and Rory again. And the thing is, I, it's possible that I do the same thing as you and play all four. Uh, I might just play three. Um, We'll see. And since I'm not the biggest fan uh, of the 6K range, maybe I just I skip on Rory and, and and pray to God that his wedge fucks up again. Because I mean, Rory can easily win this event, like no problem, like easy. I'm not worried about him from last week. I got no problem. He can crush people at this event. Uh, and so, of course, that would be the, the scary fade. But if he's 25 to 30 percent, it could be worth the risk. And it's definitely a fucking risk. Don't get me yeah. wrong. One, one um, quick thing. I like the price on Fitz, but just to note on Hatton, again, the Burns decision is pretty easy just because it doesn't seem like he's going to have the ownership. So you can just mm -hmm. play him easy courses. Glad you brought that up on, on Hatton. Fourth at the Arnold Palmer. Second at the Players. Third at the Wells Fargo. 15th at the PGA Championship. And 12th at the Memorial. Those fields blow this field away in strength. And so, again, it's not like I'm getting an ownership discount. People are, People know this. And he's coming in at 20 to 23 as of right now could get even higher, but man, you can get different in so many places. If you play him without Rory, if you play him with Rory, do whatever you, you do, whatever you want. You can make it all work this week. Trust me. But I'm just saying the fact that he's played so good, it's like the opposite Kenny of the Adam Scott effect. What I always say with him, when Adam Scott's in weak fields, I like playing him. That's kind of the same thing I want to do with Hatton here. Not really the opposite effect, the same I'm saying, but usually the price on Adam Scott is down Hatton. We're paying up. But man, this is a spot where it, the field is just much weaker. If he can just do what he's been doing, he should really come through here. Yeah, he, I, I agree with that. Let's go to this 9K range. Like I said, three of my cash game cornerstones are going to be just right here uh, in this. And I'm going with the Euros. Uh, I know Jeff talked about uh, earlier, uh, I think last week, how uh, you know it seems like this could be well-suited for the European golfers. Um, and so I'm going with three of them. I'm going with Rose. Fleetwood and Lowry. Just go ahead, start my cash game lineups with those. Those are my first three cash game cornerstones. All excellent ball strikers. Keita Green, they've been great. Iron play, they've been exceptionally strong. Shane's been really striking the ball really well the last couple of events, you know. And then, of course, Rose and Fleetwood, that's what they're known for, uh, their ball striking. Really love these guys. Uh, and I think, I think. Rose has a really good chance of winning one of the best bent grass putters out there. Uh, when it comes to Tommy Fleetwood, he's been incredibly consistent, making a lot of cuts. Um, you know, 
if it turns into like a crazy super shootout, you know, maybe you worry a little bit, but then you look and he's, you know, eighth in this field and birdies are better gained. So you know he can go out there and pump those birdies if he needs to. So those three guys, I'm going to go ahead and start my cash game lineup with those three Europeans. Um, now, the guy that interests me in GPP here is Cam Young. Um, if you look at what Cam Young has played during his struggle, he's been playing like the most difficult courses on tour, basically. Like if you look at his, if you look at the courses that he's been played for the last like two months, uh, let me go ahead and put this down for you. Uh, the Memorial Hard Course, PGA Championship Hard Course, Wells Fargo Hard Course, RBC Heritage, not easy. Masters Hard Course, Players Hard Course, Palmer, Arnold Bay Hill Hard Course, Genesis Hard Course. This is going to be the easiest course he has seen in two months. You know, maybe even three months. Yeah, in over two months. This is the easiest course he is he will have seen. Um, maybe he could use that to his advantage. Uh, you know, and I think ownership can't possibly be that high for him. Like, what do you have early on, Tambo, for him? It's actually higher than you think. Yeah, early on. Really? Just because the price and the setup, his odds in the market, all of that. Again, now we have a – you talked about your cash games and having to evolve. Got to evolve with the market this way, too, the stat sites and things that are out there. Uh, through all that, you just mentioned – while there was two missed cuts recently and a 59th and a 51st, his off the tee numbers, extremely good. Gained on approach in everything we can see, except Wells Fargo, he lost a bunch. The Masters, we don't see, but he finished seventh. I'm sure it was okay. Gained it all there and is losing massive with the putter. So surprisingly, I'm seeing like 17, somewhere oh, in man. that 15 to 18 range already. Well, now, if, he's 15 to say, 18, if he's 15 to 18, maybe I might go down to Sahith. Yeah, you could go. That's where it depends on what you think people do. But but to me, both those guys look fine. I was going to say that. This is the thing. If I'm doing what I'm doing up top, Connors, Rose, Fleetwood, Lowry, there's just no way to get a bunch of these guys, even though to me, they look solid on paper. And the decision is like people are deciding Rose or Fleetwood. And maybe the answer is both, but maybe the answer is neither. Maybe the answer is Cam Young, Figala, Keith Mitchell, or something in the 8,900 and go up to the top guys and have that as your pool up there. But for me, right now, I'm seeing 20%-ish on Connors, Rose, Fleetwood, Lowry, somewhere in that 17 to 20% range. So uh, again, it's minuscule. It's the normal ownership getting spread out, but there is something to be said for some of these guys down there in the 8K range looks like just no ownership at all. And I think there's definitely some potential talent in there as well. Yeah, I mean, I like Moronk. I like the giraffe neck motherfucker. I'm a fan of him. Uh, the guy's been playing exceptionally well uh, across the pond. Uh, I think he had a decent, what, 15th place finish at the at Bay Hill or something when he was over here. Uh, so I, I sort of like him. Um, when it comes down to that, it comes down there. Uh, Michael Kim. But the thing is, I've already seen a lot of steam for Michael Kim. If he's going to be like 15, 18, 20% owned, that could be a fade for me. Because if you look at what it comes down to Michael is on easier courses, he tends to struggle a little bit more. Uh, on the tougher tracks, he's been playing pretty well. But like, if you look at his, uh, what, what if he goes his, John Deere Classic on your ass? That he didn't struggle there when it was easy. That's true. That's it's true. That's won, true. So. He did. Yeah, I'm just saying recently yeah. from what we've seen. Uh, I guess in the last 50, 50, 50 easy, you know, twenty five rounds that he's played on easy courses, it's been a bit of a struggle for him. But you know, he's a different golfer right now as well. Uh, you know, the guy is playing the some of the best golfers his career 
uh, at this moment in time. And at that price, it seems very, very tempting. But it could be an easy fade for me uh, if it garners a lot of ownership. And make sure you check all your ownership sites, uh, wherever sites you use to look at it, because it's going to be pretty important uh, this week. Uh, yeah, but you're right. Like, other than that, maybe, uh, you know, and Ludwig Aberg, I want to test him out because the guy is supposed to be the shit. So we'll see. I mean, the number one player, amateur player in the world, just got his pro card. Uh, I, I think I can get on. Who do you like in this range? You said you like a lot of guys. I just think I don't like a lot. I just saying if I go my route, I'm talking about right now, which is pretty sure, pretty sure I will. It's like Keith Mitchell looks good to me. I think Moronk, who you already mentioned, looks good. Aberg, it, it sounds like people are going to talk about it and not be about it. I actually prefer him more in DraftKings. Here's the thing. The 50 to 1 numbers and stuff out there, I wouldn't touch. I got 120. I'm happy with it. But the point is, is that if, if at 8,300, people aren't going to do it, that's just the average price. He can be your fourth guy in. He can be your third guy in. There's lots of ways that you can go about it where he just needs to find his way through. He actually had a pretty good result. I can't remember which tournament it was just at, but he played one of the designated events and came like 24. Yeah, the API, 24th at the API. So I don't have any problem going to a guy like him. I, t- I mentioned uh, Keith Mitchell, Moronk. Who's the other guy? Hoygaard is another guy, 8,400. Bramlett played pretty good last week. I- I'm really fine with all those guys. So I think if you can mix and match these guys in or start with your Fitzpatrick or start with your Cam Young and do something like last week where you build that sort of balanced version it takes you off of a similar build that everybody else is on. So I definitely have no problem with that here in this 8K range. Sounds good. Let's go down to the 7K range. Tim, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, Eric Cole, right off the top. Again, don't know what his ownership's actually going to come in at, but when you look at the stats and what he's been doing, and again, I'm looking at the stats I put for the course. T to green, approach, opportunities gain, DK scoring in general, like being able to score up with if it gets to 20 under or something like that. Sixth in the last 36 rounds on par fours. Solid with the putter. Pretty much everything that goes with his game. And at 7,900, that at least stands out some. So I don't mind him. Uh, One bounce back candidate, Kenny, Alex Smalley. Really bad first round last week. But other than that, was good. Again, now we go to a bit easier course. His numbers are fair across the board. But at the price point, I got no problem going back to it. You go down the board. um, Mayo is selling me on Aaron Rye after I'm usually on him. But I'm kind of liking a couple other guys here that'll be better for tournament plays. But if you look at... Harry Hall, we just saw him in the mix. I don't know how many go back there. One thing I will say, what I said off the top, Kenny, is that this range seems like a lot of guys, 5 to 10% or less, like in that range or less, because people are playing the guys at the bottom, whether you do Rory or Fleetwood Rose or whatever the most common builds are up top. And it's a course we've never seen. So I think that the idea of just playing the guys that have been playing well and then looking at roster construction, getting off some of the ownership is a way to go about it here. So Harry Hall, Taylor Pendrith, is not going to pop in your numbers here. I've got him way down the board. But if you're looking for a spot, you know, he's a Canadian guy, find his way through. And then on top of the fact of when we've seen him have success before this downward spiral, it was with the putter. It was with a little bit of a longer game off the tee. All the stuff that may end up coming in handy here this week. So I think for tournaments, Pendrith, Hall, guys like that. And then uh, Thor Bornson is is a, a risk you'd have to take on. But he's another guy that we've seen a couple times come out and show up and everyone's talking about Aberg. Everyone's talking about some of the other stuff. Maybe a guy like him comes through and gets the job done here too. I wanted to play Stevens, but he's out. I think Lee Hodges will be extremely popular. Who do you like in this upper seven K range? Uh, I really like Alex Smalley. Uh, I'm on board with you there. Uh, the thing about him, is, again, when it comes to easier courses, the guy balls out. He's top 10 on my model. Uh, once you click the uh, easy course filter, uh, you know, like top 10 in a- approach, top 10 in T to green, top 15 in birdies are better game, 
top 10 in proximity from 175 to 200, uh, you know, top 10 in from 350 to 400 par four efficiency, um, you know, good with his wedges, uh, especially his shorter wedges. Um, so I, I like Alex Smalley a lot. I think I'm going to give um, Aaron Wise a chance. I know he's been struggling. I know he had that mental issue where he had to take a little bit of a break, but I mean, you know, his game, it hasn't really come back yet, but I'm just, you know, hoping for low ownership type of miracle, not miracle, but you know, the talent is there. Uh, again, another guy, he's six in my model when it comes into uh, for easier courses. Uh, so I think I'm going to give him a chance of possibly single digit ownership uh, this week. He seems like a really good leverage pay. I mean, he, he can blow be pretty up. low owned. Yeah. If I'm yeah, seeing 5% he, or less. Yeah, so. he, he could blow up Mr. Cut like he has for the last what, three out of his last four events. He could easily do that. But I think I'm going to go and take the risk uh, with the ownership and the skill level that he has uh, and the price. I mean, you know, that's a pretty good price uh, for him. Now, other guys um, in this range, uh, not really the biggest fan of anyone else until we get to, like, Vincent Norman, who's been playing pretty good golf, making a lot of cuts here um, recently, so I could play him. Now, my favorite play in the 7K range is going to be Luke List. Uh, I know that's always a risk you know you know the man could blow up and fuck up at any time but i really really like him this week um i haven't i haven't officially put him in my cash lineup yet he's in there i don't know if i'm going to keep him um because i might want to save him for my highest owned in gpps that's how much that I like Luke List this week. You know, his ball striking is always elite. Uh, I think he was top five in birdies last week at the Memorial Championship. Really good finish, top 20 finish there. Uh, I think he could really do well at this course, get a shit ton of birdies. I'm a huge Luke List fan uh, this week, and it's possible he's my highest owned or he's in my cash lineup. It's going to be one of those two. Um, if I keep going down into this lower 7K range, uh, David Lipsky, again, another great showing last week um you know really bouncing back after just being sort of average to below average for a little bit probably since the sony um but his iron game is is his strength he's really good you know top 25 and birdie or better really good with his short wedges like he's 10th from 75 to 100 and uh 17th from 100 to 125 in the last 50 rounds this could be a wedge fest i really like lipsky uh down here mark hubbard he's the guy that i would replace list within cash i think that might be the smarter play again uh but uh because you know he's been making a lot of cuts he's been playing good golf the stats are all there uh once again um aaron badley quietly having a decent season i mean when when he plays now just looking uh hold on let me bring him up go ahead and go to this lower 7k range before i talk about aaron brad uh uh, uh badly yeah, some of the guys you mentioned already, but just again, stick with the theme of these guys that are coming across and already playing decent. Like again, I got a, some of the same guys as you, but uh, Hubbard was one you said. I'm with you on Lipsky. If you want to carry it over, Luke List. I do want to bring up. This was something nice. I said the same today because he watched him last week and the stats were good. And then Mayo brought it up too. And you go back and look, and even when you flip it over to the easy courses, he plays much better. I don't know if this will give you any pause, but he he plays much better on longer, harder courses. And that's kind of the opposite of this. And even if you do flip over to something like easy courses, Kenny, and look at it, he does stand out for overall tee to green, but he drops huge. Like now all of a sudden in the last 36, he's 
bottom 100 in some of these stats like birdies are better dk scoring proximity from 100 to 125 just uh, an interesting note i do still like vincent double r norman he's a guy i always like in tournaments he can make eagles there's three power fives here i'm sure there'll be some eagles out there throughout the week so looking at him and then speaking of him doug gim rhyme it out but doug doug gim akshay some guys down low that I think could actually do enough and score. Carson Young probably will be uh, a little bit popular here. I'll see what I'm seeing first off early on right now. Looks around. Um, not seeing it fully. Looks like five to eight. So we'll see what he actually comes in. And he might come in even higher. But yeah, Akshay and then uh, Hubbard. And who's the other guy I just said? Uh, Doug Gim. Yeah, so those are sort of the, the main guys for me as of right now. Yeah, Akshay makes a lot of sense. Again, another guy who tends to play better on uh, easier courses. You know the skill level's there. Um, I'll definitely be playing him. Carson Young is going to be popular. Um, you could see if you're looking for someone like low price or low owned CT Pan. Um, you know, he hasn't been playing that great, but he sort of uh had a little peak here recently. I forget at which event. Um, you know, and he's sort of been good at uh these sh- these shorter type of courses. Um, so yeah, I can go with him as like a you know sub five percent you know GPP play that can win you one. You know, if if he goes off. Um, so I, I can go there. Um, moving down to uh, oh, what about your boy Aaron Cockrell? Yeah, he's Who, he's looking pretty good too. That's yeah, another guy. Again, you got to look at mostly all. on the Euro Tour. He's been playing right. You won't. You're just taking a risk because when you go to these stat models, things like that, you pull it, you won't see it. But what you're not really taking a risk in the sense of how good he's been playing. If you go pull up his OWGR and look at the Euro events and things like that, he's just been crushing. He's Canadian. Maybe that helps him some. I don't know. But at seven K. He seems like a fine guy to take a punt on. Two I missed, yeah. so I want to say really quickly, because I know people like Ben Martin this week, and he'll pop in the models. But if you flip, like you said, to the easy courses and some of that stuff, Ben Griffin actually really takes off. And even this one stands out to me as a nice tournament play, Kenny. S.H. Kim, he actually really pops off. And when you flip over to easier courses, he's got 29 rounds in play over the last 36. He's top 20 in quite a few categories that are important, like the tee to green in general, opportunities gained, birdies are better. DK scoring, par four scoring, solid uh, top 40 ish in the one, 100 to 125. And he played good to, to round up the weekend. This Who past is this? SH Kim. SH Kim at 7,300. So I think he's interesting as well. And then I was just seeing if there was one more at the bottom. Um, CT Pan, we talked a little bit about today too. See where his game's at. He he could be interesting down at the bottom. And then Chez Reevy was the other one. Where's Chez at? Uh, 7,100. Ches Ches Reeve's been sort of coming into his own here. I'm not sure how well he'll do or how much I'll get of him, but he he's definitely someone that stood out as well. Who's your favorite Canadian this week? I like Cockle. Uh, who's your favorite Canadian this week? Mm, probably it's probably Svensson, but man, I don't I don't know. It's Svensson or Cockrell, I think, is the two I was looking at. I looked at it this morning. It was like 14 to 1. Might be Hughes, to be honest, too. That, that's another guy here who we didn't talk a lot about, but at 7,400, if he's not going to get much steam, he's another guy that I think could be pretty interesting here at, at that price. Well, he's not the best on the approach stuff, but if you go to birdies are better, DK scoring, par four scoring, the putter, we know what he can find. All those types of stats, he does pop. So I, I might add him into the mix as well. He'd be another guy, those three. All right, let's go to the 6K range. My final cash game cornerstone is going to be um... – Kramer Hickok. Uh, the guy's made a lot of cuts. I think like eight of his last 10 cuts uh, he has made all on tour. Uh, of course, everyone remembers that like, you know, marathon playoff he had when he lost to uh, Harris English a couple of years ago. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, he's gained like uh, uh, almost 
seven and a half strokes with his approaches in his last three rounds. Uh, just makes a ton of cuts. Uh, so I, I, I think I'm just going to go. I was really, like I said earlier, I had Benny on and I was going to go a little bit more balanced. But Benny went out and then really screwed me. So I sort of had to go find a punt play down here. And this was the guy I came up with. But I read Martin's Sundog Monkeys article uh, after I put him in my lineup. And he's on him. So at least somebody else I know who is sharp as hell is on him. So that just that sort of stamped it in for me for my cash game cornerstones. So my four cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Justin Rose at 9,700. Tommy Fleetwood at 9,600. Shane Lowry at 9,400. Kramer Hickok at 6,700. This leaves you 14,600 to fill out the rest of your lineup. Uh, and so, you know, you get one a couple of those guys uh, in that low 7K, maybe like a Hubbard and a Badley. Uh, and I was talking about Badley. I missed it. He's made 12 of 15 cuts this year. Uh, just sort of under the radar when it comes to Aaron Badley. Like you don't expect him to be, you know, an 80% cut maker uh, for a year, you know, or a 75% cut maker uh, for a year. But that's where he is. And I think the biggest thing is his improvement with his approach game. Uh, you know, it's not like elite, but, you know, it, it's gotten a lot better. Uh, he, I think he's 34th in this field in strokes game approach in the last 50 rounds. It's not bad for a golfer that's 70, 7,200. Uh, so, that, yeah, so I'm a fan of him. And he's, he could be in my cash lineup. We'll see. But other guys down in the 6K range, uh, Grayson Murray's been, you know, he should have won back-to-back events in the Corn Ferry Tour. Like anyone who, you know, with that much, with that talent that can almost win back-to-back, I mean, that 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 seems pretty good to me at $6,900 on a tour that's, you know, that's it, it's not, they're not playing scrubs down there. You know, that that's the future of golf usually uh, on the Kent Corn Ferry Tour. Um, other guys uh, that I'm looking at, Ben Silverman, another guy, who's just been crushing it uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. We've been playing really, really good golf. Is he Canadian? He is. Yeah, there you go. That's another Canadian. That's another guy um, I like down here. Uh, some flyers. Uh, Hank Lebiot. So Hank, you know, he had that run last year where he was like the DFS darling, and his game really went to hell. Uh, I don't even think he retained his card. He might have. I don't even know. Uh, but just a couple of weeks ago, he did qualify uh, for the U.S. Open um, in, in some type of qualifier. He didn't do it in the longest day. He did it at some other tournament, like uh, some other qualifier, like a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I, I, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but, uh, you know, he should have that nice feeling that he made. Uh, they qualified for the U.S. Open. He's made like a cut or two here recently, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Give me one second and let me double check. But like you would think with the way he, he is with, um, his irons and his best putting surface is bent. Uh, oh yeah, he made the cut at uh, Corrales uh, a few months ago. He hasn't really been playing uh, that often, at least on the PGA Tour. But uh, just a flyer, 2% guy uh, who you know you could have 8% of be four times the field and not kill you if he misses the cut. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When it goes all, when it goes for it, that's, that's another guy. Um there was another. There was another guy. If you check, if you follow uh, the fantasy grind um, on Twitter, uh, Jeff, um, I forget his last name. Always a sharp dude. He had this um, uh, a tweet earlier today, and let me see if I can find it. Oh yeah, so Miles Creighton. Uh, he won on the Latino Tour last week. He leads that tour's order of merit. Uh, Stu McDonald 
third in, in the last Latino tour start. Some guys, uh, all Canadians, uh, that you might want to take a peek at. Uh, so who do you like in the 6K range? And not those guys. Love Jeff Ulrich. I feature him almost every week. That's some good yeah. stats, but definitely not. I, I, he's the one that got me on Silverman. I like Silverman that is the one he had in there that I like. Definitely. You know, that one makes sense. He literally won a corn Ferry tour event recently. Like you could talk mm-hmm. about it. You mentioned though, how Grayson's been doing the same thing, but for me, a couple other guys, Davis Thompson, same price at 6,900. He pops on the easier courses. He pops for me. I uh, was doing a few things last week and then didn't really come through. But just to, to say in a much stronger field, harder course, he was still doing his thing. Tyler Duncan, always play him at easy courses. Grayson Sig, very similar. I like him. You mentioned Hickok. He stands out. I think, again, he'll get a little bit of ownership for 6K range, but nothing to worry about. So by all means, head down there. And the other guy I was going to bring up was Jake Knapp. This is another guy in the last just two and a half months, fifth, seventh, ninth, 41st, 27th. They're all Corn Ferry Tour events, but on this past Sunday, popped like a 64 or a 65 up on top of those previous results. So he's been playing some pretty good golf coming in. Stats look good. Jake Knapp at 6,500. I think he'll be a guy you could go to here as well. All right, that sounds good. Any, anything else? Oh, man, I think that's it for the the 6K range is not strong. This week we established that. It's again, mm-hmm. you can take your shots there, but I think you're better off to find some different roster construction up above uh, the show that Mayo and I did this week, I think it'll still come out on Wednesday, but it went through some pretty good stuff, even after seeing the numbers a little bit better, that shows how you can sort of balance it across. And so I, I think that's going to be a show to check out just to see what that looks like. All right, so let's go to bets for this week. My first bet and the only golfer I think that I have under 75 to 1 this week is going to be um, Justin Rose at 20 to 1. Uh, after that, I got Aberg at 75 to one uh, and then i threw a top five on them at plus 1000 because i could it was on I, it was on a book where it didn't have top fives um i also have um eric cole 75 to one michael kim 75 to one luke list 90 to one these are all eight places each way uh david lipsky 100 to one aaron cockerel 160 to one carson young 160 to one hank the tank lebiota 350 to one michael gliglick just a canadian i'm throwing it out there he's he's spiked like twice in his life 701 eight spots each way just throwing it out there sort of a shitty bet uh, maybe the canadian shit will, 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 will rub him the right way and we can get something lucky uh with him who do you like who, who's your betting card somebody 20 to 1 or, or there is winning this event it's just the way it's going to go but everyone's betting the bombs for good reason because if they don't it's a putting contest all that stuff but i bet the only one i bet up there was rose and i don't even love him in dfs if he's going to be like 20 plus percent ownership because there's just other guys that i think are fine around him but i was i was chatting with mayo we were debating rose versus fleetwood he said it best. Fleetwood still hasn't won. Rose has won this season and has won a lot more in the past. So it's kind of like you just got to trust that when you're making the bet on the same number. I think some places had him at 22, got him at 20. I bet Cole, same as you, 80 though at eight places. I got Aberg at 120, the FOMO. And then I bet Reby at 175 with eight places. I am going to couple that one with a top 20. That's pretty heavy because the only reason is, is I, I want to get on Reby early. Bearoff and I, resident fill-in, Mr. Ryan Bearoff for our show. Shout out to him. He, we've been talking about this guy for a little while. And he just keeps doing a little something, a little something. And it's like, it's all adding up to probably like a 20 to one win at some stupid little tournament, depending on what he does. I think he might be qualified for the open. So I'm not sure if he's going to defend at the Barracuda, but you can get the Barracuda number at like 66. If you think he goes back there, it'll probably, I don't know if they'll avoid it or not though, but 
just in general, getting on him early, thinking that he's going to pop up and get something soon. So 175 with eight places, don't see it happening. Maybe I get lucky for the place, but betting him at the top 20, a little bit heavier just because I like him coming into this week. All right, one and done, Rose. Yeah, any of those, uh, the Rose, Fleetwood, Lowry types seem good. Cam Young, if you want to take a flyer, like you said, again, I don't know how many people will go to him here. That, to me, would make some sense. And then I know people are saying, like, save Rory, save Rory, but, man, for what? He wins this event. If he's gonna, if you think he's going to do it, he doesn't win. You want to save him for a major? For what? He hasn't won a major in almost 10 years. So <laughs> Exactly. Like, yeah. Get this guy, use him. If you got him, I think. I, I seen him at, like, 40% in the male race for the Cup. So I, I'm, I would have no problem. If you use them, I don't think it's wasting him. I think you're using them and hoping that it goes well. And if it does, you collect a paycheck. You get the win. That's what matters. All right. Well, I think that's it. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. You can find my article at GupsCorner.com. Use promo code Kenny. Save yourself 30% on a membership to Gups Corner. You'll get my course preview there, my stats to look for, my final betting card if there's any changes, uh, my fade of the week, my favorite GPP plays, uh, trends, all that good shit. Uh, and then plus you get the green, you get the, uh, you get all the tools uh, that come with uh, Gup's Corner. They're unbelievable. You need to use it. Come join Gup's Corner. Come join the fam. Yeah. Find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. Got the tidbits coming out on Wednesday as usual. I'm actually going to be on the Inside Golf Podcast with Andy Lack this week. Nice. Decided to get back together with him. He helped cover a couple of weeks ago on the show, or a few weeks back on this one. It was a great little back and forth. So excited to chat with him for this event and he knows courses and designers and all that stuff. So that's going to be a good one. And of course, shipitnation.com. Got to remind everyone quickly because it's the last week for the introductory pricing, 59 bucks a month. It's going to end. People go back and forth on Twitter, but the value we just posted up on the site, you can just check it out. It's free to go to the site, shipitnation.com. The drop down menus for NFL, NBA, NHL, all the sports yet to come on what's going to be on the site. There's a lot of content coming on top of all the baseball stuff right now with MLB on top of all the golf stuff showdown. This past week, we didn't talk about it earlier, but it was an absolute print fest. We had, I got 26th in the main on round two, 13th in round three. So two very close calls there. And then 40th on Sunday. So we're we're on the cusp, but a lot of members won some big money. And one guy turned $40 into 4,000 playing nice. that $40 single entry using the core report over there and hoops player pool. So check us out. Lots of sports going on for that introductory pricing. It ends next Monday. And so I would check it out now, shipitnation.com. That's all I got for this week, Kenny. All right, that sounds good. Oh, Canada, my home and native land. Let's win some motherfucking money, DJ Nation.